All right, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, come visit us one Sunday morning. Our service is at 1030. If you're not local but looking for a good church, you can attend online. We live stream, again, 1030 on Sunday mornings. Calvary316.live is the quick link to our YouTube channel. You can learn all about the church by just going to Calvary316. Com. This is the last Outlaw Radio episode of the year. Uh, this is our special uh, Christmas edition. We will be off next week, but we will be back, I believe it's the 3rd of January, the first Wednesday of the new year. Uh, this is a live stream of a podcast. So on uh, the audio of tonight's episode, gets released on all podcasting platforms uh, on Thursday, um, but we live stream the recording of the podcast so that we can interact with the audience. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways that you can interact with us in real time. Uh, but to explain that, I'm going to kick it over to my partner, Mr. Creighton Vaughn, Pope Creighton. How you doing? Hello, I'm doing well. It is, you know, we're less than a week away from Christmas, which means that I only have to deal with Christmas music for another like five days. For another and five days. is a beautiful thing. Except it's the like, fact that I celebrate. It's almost all the like way Christmas has come Eastern again. Orthodoxy Christmas. Yes. Oh the, my the goodness! Eastern Orthodoxy what? Christmas, which is midsummer. Which is okay. Yes. Um, if you would like to be a part of the show, uh, I am watching the comments on both YouTube and Facebook. So if you place something in there, um, I will see it. And if it is pithy and has to do with the topic we're on, I will try and jump in and say your comment, and then we will discuss your comment or question or whatever. If you have something that you would like us to discuss on the show, you can email us at PopeGrayton at gmail.com. We're also joined in studio by two of our, our buds, our friends, Spice Daddy, rocking a Spice Daddy t-shirt. I like it. Mm. I love the fact that your mom made you that t-shirt. Yeah. She's like, she's like, my son, the local celebrity. <laughs> Spice Daddy, for sure. Also joined, becoming a regular, Isaac. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. My name is Isaac. I am 32 years old, and I'm here today, and I am so thankful. <laughs> is that your your typical, that's AA, right? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of translation, honestly. <laughs> so you were, you were saying before we went live uh, that you made a, a, a pretty serious mistake. Answering tactical your, error. A tactical error <laughs> right. answering a question that your, your wife posed today. Yeah. You want to share that real quick? Sure, Just... sure. I'm trying to remember if Alexis is in the comments. I'm sure she can re remind us about <laughs> how this topic came to be. But, uh, you know, I think I was just letting her know that I love her. and You're she... just being a good, a good husband. Right. You know, it was totally unprovoked, you know, and I do love her. And uh, she said something along the lines of, are you sure you're not going to trade me in for a newer model? Mm. Okay. And... Of say, course. Say, no, I'm going to send you in for a tuna. <laughs> <laughs> not so, better. Not better. Not better at all. I don't need to upgrade the model. I just no. need a few bells and whistles. Nope. Nope. So essentially. Some armor all will work. <laughs> right. Some WD-40. That's all you need. No, but uh, she's perfect just the way she is. But I did say this, which was a mistake tactically. Um so she said, are you going to trade me in for a newer model? And right. your reply was? In heaven. <laughs> and the newer model was Jesus. Right. Yeah. Okay. There was, you're pausing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That did not work out well for you. It didn't really. But in my mind, like, uh, as I understand it, marriage doesn't go beyond 
I mean, I hope it does. Certainly. Because... Well, we were we were we were kind of talking off off air about that topic. We never really resolved it. Yeah. So let's do this. Let's do this because we do have a few things we're wanting to get to um, tonight. If we have time at the end, let's get back to that question about uh, marriage, heaven, eternity, how all that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we don't get to it by the end of the episode, because I think it's a good question. I think a lot of people are curious about that. If, if we don't get to it, then we can tease it for uh, the return episode on January 3rd. So that, that seemed like a good plan. That's, I love that plan. All right. I want to, uh, I want a little bit of house housekeeping here. I made the, I made the comment last week. We talked about, um, December 25th being the, like they're actually being more historical, uh, evidence and validity for December 25th being the birthday of Jesus than any other date in, in the calendar. And I referenced, uh, professor Thomas Talley, um, I actually had listened to a Bible study that made the reference to a particular book. Interestingly, the pastor, and I'm not going to name him that I was listening to, um, got his his name wrong, got the title of the book wrong, <laughs> and got where he's a professor, where he was a professor wrong. So yeah, it's a real reputable source. It was there. a solid source. <laughs> so I did. I just wanted to throw this out. I did my homework, and I actually found the book. Let's see here. Get my fingers out of the way. This is the book, The Origins of the Liturgical Year by Thomas Talley, um, and and it is very interesting. Um, I'm actually more convinced um, that that Christmas is is on December 25th than ever before. I will tell you this though, um, this is a terrible read. <laughs> Wait, from that title, you didn't? No, no, that's true. That? And, even, and even like the cover of it, like it just. Everything screams. Is that the Zodiac? It, it's around it is, the Cairo. I am. Yeah, I am looking at that title and Jesus. everything and seeing. I would be very interested in reading that. That looks. Well, you're great. more than welcome. You're more than welcome to. I. I. Because again, the book is about. He's the foremost scholar about the liturgical calendar, um, and so he's he addresses like all of it, like all of the calendar, yep. like how we have all all of the different holidays. And um, I skipped to just the Christmas sections um, and even reading just the Christmas sections. Um, I, I, I read them, but um, I would I would rather have a root canal than ever read them again. Well, it's a textbook. Y- yeah. So I, I, I bought this book just to be able to validate, you know, I did my research. I guess that's what I'm saying. So um, the book does exist. This is it. Um, if you're a Calvary 316 peep and you would like to borrow it, by all means, you can borrow it probably from Spice Daddy, who will be taking it after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like it back because this was hard to get and quite expensive, uh, which just even more so. I mean, the less I copies s- you sell, the, the higher the price. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I really thought about just returning it on Amazon. <laughs> you know, like, I'll, I'll use it for Outlaw Radio. I'll read the few sections. I'll get it on the record I had it, and then I will send it back to wherever wherever you would get this book. So, um, yeah, a little housekeeping. December 25th, um, solid. Also, just a little bit, and, and we're just pulling books out of nowhere. Um, I don't. I didn't actually tell you about this, Creighton. I was going to bring this up last week. Uh, I ran. We ran out of time. Uh, so I was opening mail um, at the church two Sundays ago. And um, it's funny, I've, I've only gotten two pieces of mail, like personal attention Zach Adams uh, to the church 
um, mailing address. And one uh, of them is the best joke that's ever happened. At yeah. Calvary so, so when, when I got home, you, I don't know, Isaac, have you ever heard this story? I have not. So I got, <clears throat> I got home from the hospital. Um, I had just gotten back to church um, and my arms don't work. I mean, my arms didn't work for another probably eight months. Um, just a lot of rehab, but, um, and Jessica, we're, uh, Jessica would have to wire, wire me up. So like the service would get going. Um, we would slip back to the office and she would put the headset on me get it all set up, put the pack on, on, on my back. She'd have to turn it on me. I can't do anything. Um, and so, uh, we're, we're the mail. One of the ushers had brought in the mail, set it on the desk and there was an envelope package. It's like, Oh, that's interesting. Jess, can you open that? So she opened it and, and it's, it's a used book. Just I looked at, you know, the shipping and there was, didn't say who it was from. It just said an Amazon fulfillment center, um, clearly addressed to me, the church. Um, and, and I, and so the, I'm looking at the book and, and it's like, just, it's a used book and I don't, I don't, I don't get it at all. And Jessica starts giggling and, um, and then, and then it dawns on me. So it's a, it's a, um, Ernest Hemingway, an Ernest Hemingway book, a farewell to arms. <laughs> Somebody sent me a farewell to arms. And so I took that book with my two, my two tilapias walked in. And before the Bible study, I was like, who did this <laughs> to this day? We, no one has stepped forward to claim the credit. I, I I looked in the book. There was no like kind note. There was no one has taken credit for mailing me a farewell to arms when my arms didn't work. But I think it's the greatest that that might have been one of the greatest gags I've I've uh, ever that's, had happen to me. That's pretty good. It's so good. This was not a gag, by the way. So I had mentioned and I, and I bring this up because this was kind of a thing um, in one of the episodes, maybe October. Um if, if you've been watching the show, I've been trying to practice more and encouraging others to like kind of this radical obedience of like you get an impression and you just act on it and see if the Lord's actually behind it, trying to d decipher the still small voice. I, t I told the story. We were in Hilton Head in October um, for a quick vacation during the kids fall break. And we were walking, we were walking down the beach and, and there was a guy just sitting there reading, reading a book. And, um, and I just, I, I looked at it and, and I, I started a conversation. I said, Hey, how's the read? Um, ended up getting to know him and his wife, um, dear saints, brothers and sisters that live up in Pennsylvania. And, um, and so, uh, and then I ended up sharing my testimony. Um, they ended up watching, uh, the, the, the version of it that I had given at the East coast conference Calgary. became friends. Really? Um, they, they watched the show. Um, in fact, I, the next day we were walking back from the, the restaurant and, uh, got up to say hello. And, and he had on his phone, he was listening to outlaw radio. Um, awesome. he sent me the book. Oh, nice. Yeah. So in the mail, so the, the book that he was reading was the case for miracles by Lee Strobel. And, you know, and that, that was the, the conversation. Um, but I just thought it was neat. He said he, he actually wrote in the, in the cover. He said, uh, Pastor Zach, this book no longer has to be on, quote, your list of books to read. You now have a copy. Thinking of you during the season of the greatest miracle of all time, the birth of the Savior, your brother in Christ from Pittsburgh, Mark. Um, 
next time I see you, I'm going to ask you, how's the read? Um, nice. So I just, I just thought, you know, that how cool is that? That, um, you know, we're part of the family of Christ, and I would have never had that this connection if I hadn't just three words. How's the read? And um, and so just the the exhortation just at the Christmas season, like look for these opportunities. You never know. You never know who that guy might be. Mm. Um, you never know how they might bless you and how you might be able to bless them. You know, we 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 live in a world um, of isolation. Uh, we live in a world where people long for a connection. Um, they don't often know how to find it. Um, you know, we, we live in a, a kind of a wacky place. And so as Christians, I think being light, being salt, you know, light is something that you see. Salt is something that you taste. It's something that you, you savor, you experience. And, um, you know, I think we talk a lot about being, being light in the world, in a dark world. Uh, we, we don't add the same amount of emphasis to being salt you know, salt is that people have an experience. They don't just see something light, but they have an experience with you, with your life. And, um, and I think that that's how we're salt, um, that, that we bring flavor to things and the flavor of Jesus. And so, uh, kind of a quick exhortation. So blessed. Hopefully Mark is, thank you for the book. Really appreciate it. And it is definitely, um, I will be reading it soon for sure. Um, also, if you've never heard of Lee Strobel, or his series, A Case for X. Case All for, solid books. He doesn't have a case for Twitter, X. Um, huh. But he does have a case for Christ, case for faith, case for the resurrection. Um, a case for miracles. And, and, and a lot of the, a lot of the, like he's a, um, um, I think he was a news reporter. I'm trying to, trying to think back. He, he was, was some type reporter. of journalist. They just, they, they, journalist. Just, they just did a movie, like. Of, about his of, story about right. the case of Christ yeah um but he he went out his wife got saved his wife became a christian and so he wanted to like really try to figure out what this was about and so he wrote down like like his big questions and then he set out as a journalist to interview like the foremost scholars on those particular topics to like actually investigate you know are there answers to these things and so a case for Christ is he goes um across America interviewing each chapter deals with a question and it's an interview with the foremost scholar in that particular field. And uh, by the end of the book, he gives his life to the Lord. Like that's kind of the, the story arc um, that it is the case for Christ. It's, it's kind of got an apologetics bent, but like instead of reading Norman Geisler, which can be laborious or um, um, good grief, there's William Lane Craig or, or whoever um, that can be very heavy reading. Um, Lee Strubble did was able to like unpack deep things as a good writer um, in a very layman sense. So it's a great starting point um, if you are interested in those type of things. And so again, the case for miracles. Um, looking forward to reading it. Yeah, he was a legal editor for the Chicago Tribune. Um, is kind of how he got his start. So uh, very cool. A journalist investigates evidence for the supernatural. So. Um, Looking forward to that read. Um, kind of setting up a little bit of a, of a Christmas um, um, theme to tonight's episode. Creighton, very quickly, do we have anybody, uh, anything pinging on the, the, the threads, YouTube, a Facebook? A couple. couple. Why don't we throw those in real fast? Yes. So Cecil says, good evening, y'all. 
Good evening, Cecil. Good right evening, on. Cecil. And we have uh, a comment from longtime friend of the show, Jennifer. Okay, right on. Um, and she says, I'm looking forward to Song of Solomon in a few weeks. Why don't you put yourself on the screen? I thought I was on the screen, LOL. There you go. She says, I'm looking forward to Song of Solomon in a few weeks. Is it going to be a tough one from the pulpit? Uh, Blake West and a few of us were just talking about this book. It's a weird one for me, which I totally agree. I don't know how you're going to make it out alive. Yeah, so um, just as a little tease, um, I think probably 90% of everything I've either read or listened to, because I've been doing an Advent series uh, the last seven weeks since, what was it, the second Sunday of November, been teaching through the, the Christmas story. Uh, this Sunday is the, the final, the seventh study, looking at the wise men. Um, but doing this series has given me the opportunity, a little bit of flexibility to start some advanced study. Because Jan January 7th, we are starting, again, a series, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through Song of Solomon. The title of the series is Making Love. Um, it's uh, uh, It will be interesting. Uh, about 90% of what I've listened to or read is garbage, hot garbage. Um it's almost as though people are so prudish um, and they're so afraid that God might have something to say about sex that they just allegorize the daylights out of a book that they there's no there's no hermeneutical basis to allegorize it. It's a song, it's lyrical, there was music to it. Why well, doesn't follow chronology? There's a created creativity to it. Um, but it is a it's a love song. It is a love story between the king and kind of a blue-collar gal who's known as the Shulamite. Um, I have I have commentary after commentary where, like, like uh, Watchman Nee um, wrote a commentary, and, and, like, I got a little bit into it and was like, I'm out. Because everything, it was like, well, this is a picture of Jesus and us, Jesus and the church, about his love for us. And it's like, um, yeah, you just made... Because you don't want to talk about sex, you made the sexual obvious references really awkward for me. Um, <laughs> trying to apply it to my relationship with Jesus, and it's like that's just it's it's weird. And so you'll get you'll get heavy, you know, heavy allegory, um, you know, dumping into the Song of Solomon, um, whether it's a picture of of God's love for the church, God's love for Israel. You know, there, there's just all of this stuff as opposed to like what it what it really is, and it's about sex. Um, and, and there is obviously things that we learn about God when we examine sex, um, no doubt, uh, which is why it's titled Making Love, because there's a, a creative angle uh, to sex. Sex is not just physical. It's not just about procreation. You know, sex creates other human beings, like you're creating something. It's the only thing in the world that can create life. It creates life, and there's a physical thing. But there's a deeper thing that happens within creation of two people becoming one that teaches us a lot about God. The, the other big thing I think people make a mistake about when, when it gets to Song of Solomon is like they get bent out of shape about it being like an actual story. Um, that it's actually Solomon. Solomon's the king. And the Shulamite's an actual person. Um, because obviously Solomon was pretty promiscuous. And, you know, and then that becomes a challenge. Like... I think Solomon just wrote a love song and, and it's, it's fictional. I think it's just about two fictional people in love. And it's a beautiful story aimed at teaching about 
uh, sex. God made sex. God made sex uh, pleasurable. He made it creative. He made it um, essential. He made it a cornerstone of marriage of what what we call oneness. And so uh, I'm I'm quite excited about the series. Um, it will be um, pretty provocative, and at the same time, um, so I think I, it's meant to be provocative. I what, think it's meant I'm to teach us about sex. You, what I'm hearing from you. Here we go. This is this. I've been waiting for this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what I'm hearing is uh, this being a song, you're going to do a rock ballad of this on the pul- at the pulpit. Uh, with background music, and you're going to be singing it the the entire thing as you're preaching. It is there's there's an option that that is an option that you know no one is really. Uh, if you would like that, email uh, popecrayton at gmail dot com yeah. um, and put in your input. <laughs> I, I consider it kind of probably being more of like a Bohemian Rhapsody, mm. which yeah. is why I'm growing the mustache out. I'm oh, literally I like where this is going. I'm growing the mustache out specifically for this this series. It's it's the only series I've ever felt like needed necessitated facial hair uh, from the one giving it um i will tell you this is kind of a funny story um so when when it was announced that i was going to be doing uh, this series in january uh, a brother in the church an older fella um well i love dearly uh i'll leave his name out but he came up to me uh, like the next week and he gave me a book he goes best commentary best commentary on song of solomon and, and 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 I'm like, this is straight out of the '70s. This book, um, but thank you, I appreciate that. So I came home and put it with the rest of the commentary commentaries I was going to look at, and and uh, so I was starting to work through some stuff and just throwing junk away. Like I won't read any more of that. That's nonsense. That's weird. And um, and then I got to I was like, well, let's give this a whirl. And I get I get like 10, 15 pages in. I'm like, this is this guy's nailing it absolutely spot on so then i go i'm having dinner with my dad we're talking about song of solomon he's like oh there's this commentary it's best commentary out there on song of solomon he goes i can't remember i can't remember the author so i'm gonna have to get back to you so he he texted me later that night an image of of the book and he goes i can't find this online it looks like it's discontinued but this is the best commentary on the song of solomon and uh, and i started laughing i go but this is the the very book that that I was just given, and um, yeah, it's Solomon on sex. Man, I'm, I'm like doing a book thing tonight. This yeah, is, apparently. Yeah, we might as well just. Um, We're book uh, brought to you now. by chapter by chapter, uh, <laughs> written by Sandy Adams. Can't do and, oh, I should say, I should Take say, look. It's, it's in a book, a book, The Reading Rainbow. Um, the uh, I, <laughs> Jessica, radio. Jessica had somebody come up. She went to this 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 ladies' event, and. Um, her a friend she ran into this gal and uh and her friend is like hey my husband has really gotten into outlaw radio <laughs> and uh and is listening to every episode and he came home the other night and he goes he goes honey uh, have you heard of the book an amazon christmas i have not heard of that book who yeah. writes it <laughs> yeah jessica adams oh. he goes he goes he goes there's there's the this book and and these guys i mean they are they are touting it hard we need to get a copy we need to read it and she goes we already have a copy of it <laughs> i he didn't realize it was a kid's book that's so funny that it was like a like that it was like <laughs> that we're we've been promoting a children's book on the outlaw radio show i need to know who what this is here. um i can tell you off air but um 
but yeah, so just in case there's any other people out there and you're like, you go onto Amazon, you search an Amazon Christmas or you go to an AmazonChristmas.com uh, to get a book and you're like, this is a kid's book. What are these guys doing? Yes, it is a children's book, but it's it might it's be a really, one of the, really well, good children's book. It's just a yeah. really good Christmas book. Yes, for sure. Well, while we're talking about um, the Song of Solomon, you had made a comment that sex does not exist in heaven. So that's kind of interesting to me. Are there any other examples of something that God wants us to do on earth or created here on earth? Uh, reading an Amazon Christmas by Jessica Adams. <laughs> you know what? We'll probably be doing that in heaven. Oh yeah, you're right. You know, it's true. No, that's a great, that's a great, it's a great question. Um, and it really ties into your first question that we were going to try to get to at the end of the episode, mm. more than likely still teasing mm. uh, the first episode of January, which will be, I mean, not a bad topic because we'll be we'll be that next Sunday starting Song of Solomon. That so, is true. So hold that question. Um, it being Christmas, um, you know, I know Creighton, you've got a topic that you want to introduce related to Christmas. Um, my favorite. That's Christmas... usually the lead in to Hey Creighton, you're not going to get to your topic. No, 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 no you'll get to it. No, I just. Um, um, just one of those things where, uh, my favorite Christmas Carol is also your favorite Christmas Carol. And it's, I heard the bells on Christmas day. Uh, you I thought you were, were going to talk about a Christmas Carol where he plays the part, where of he Scrooge. plays the part of Scrooge. <laughs> That's yeah. a totally different topic. Um, that, that we can, I really thought about doing an outlaw radio graphic uh-huh. for the promotion today. And taking Creighton's face, putting a top hat and saying "Bah humbug." No, and, and trying to get um, the oh. Grinch, like making them green, kind of doing the a Grinch overlay of Creighton. But I, hey, I just ran out of time. Hey, if you're doing Christmas sweaters next year, can you do that as like different Christmas sweaters for Outlaw Radio, but each of our faces, and then his can be just like a a Scrooge, Scrooge or, or I would definitely prefer Scrooge to Grinch. Okay, thanks. I'm glad we're we're taking suggestions and yeah. fielding recommendations. I already got I already got uh, an idea for both uh, having them both uh, on the same uh, sweater. Solid, solid. So I heard the bells on Christmas uh, is one of my favorite um, Christmas carols, and uh, I didn't actually realize. So I knew a bit of the origins of it. Um, so it was it was actually a poem. Do you, do you know the story? I know it's like a 13th century no, monk not or even something. Close, not even, not um, even close to that. All right, then no, you're, I do not. You're way off. Uh, it was written uh, on Christmas, uh, uh, 1863. 17, it, or 19th century, 13th century, same thing. No, 1863. The poem was titled Christmas Bells, and it was written by the American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. That's a great name. It is a solid, solid Longfellow. You know, the, the old joke, you're a, you're a poet um, and didn't know it, but your feet show it. They're Longfellows. That, okay, anyway. The, um, that was a 19th century joke. That was a 19th century joke. <laughs> For the record, I did not know there was a second line to you're a poet and didn't even know it. But your feet show it. They're Longfellows. Uh, so Henry Longfellow, his, his wife had, had died like two years before he wrote this poem. And a terrible accident. Like, he woke up from a nap. She was on fire. Her dress caught on fire. And he, like, tackled her to try to put out the flames, but she was already really badly uh, wounded. She died the next day. He had some deformities to his face, which is why he ended up growing out a beard. Um, And he's always, like, he's always depicted with the beard. 
Um, and then um, the Civil War happened, and his son um, went and enlisted um, with the Union Army without his permission. And then he ends up being um, ends up wounded, um, and so he's 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 in this real deep place of kind of anguish, seeing what's going on with the Civil War, and what it's all about, experiencing a lot of hardship himself, and so he he sits down on Christmas. He he's hearing the bells ring, and he writes this poem, and then like ten years later, another guy kind of enters the the the. The, uh, the scene takes the lyrics, puts music to it. So it started as a poem and then uh, uh, the music was added to it. Um, and then it's been, it's been done. Um, I was actually really surprised doing a little research on like Johnny Cash has a version. Um, I'm going to look up that later. Yeah. I'm going to look up that too. I haven't, I haven't heard it. Um, there's, there's hurt. A, a Bing, Cro- <laughs> Bing Crosby. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bing Crosby uh, d- does apparently a really famous version of it. Um, but I didn't realize, so we do this at Calvary 316. Uh, we, we do this song, but we don't do all the stanzas to the song. Um, and then I, I you know, just kind of doing some research. Um, the, the full poem has additional stanzas that I think is really interesting. So just kind of in the, the Christmas theme here, again, uh, you got to keep the lyrics in mind of a guy who's been suffering, has experienced personal loss. He's watching his country torn apart. Um, it's the middle of the Civil War. Things are dark and gloomy. He hears the bells. So let me read the poem. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. We, we do both of those, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from the black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, which we do that stanza. And then the closing... Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fell, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I just think when you when you kind of place that um, within the context of the Civil War and all the things that are going on, and just, just his own anguish, trying to make sense of the world around him, trying to make sense of how broken things are. You know, I, I just, for, even for us, like right now as Christians living in a very different America, um, that is very probably as divided today as it was then. Uh, we, we're not in a civil war yet, but you know, there are people talking about well, they, nas- national they, divorce and they could look back on today and think that 
probably things that have happened in the last three years will have been the the catalyst. Yeah, well, the early I, signs. I think what what he's coming from though is is, I mean, Civil War is brutal. Yeah, I mean, it, like it it was the bloodiest war, even up until today. And, and the very and, nature of it, you had you had families shooting guns at the, at their own kin. Right. Brother against brother. Yeah, I it mean, was. And, it wasn't the, the enemy was was very blurry. Right. Even like you read about the Civil War, there were times that there would be a break in the action, and they would go play play baseball, or they would have Thanksgiving dinner out in the field, and then they go back to their trenches and start shooting at each other again. Right. Like, and you kind of see that with uh, in World War One, I, I believe, where you had the uh, I want to say it was the Irish and uh, Germans. Uh, they on Christmas Day they like. Christmas, it's Christmas Day truce. Uh, I forgot the. There's a movie about it, where they kind of pause fighting to have Christmas is it celebrations. There, and, is it and, there a scene in Band of Brothers and uh, the Battle of sure the Stone? Battle of the Bulge. Bulge. Uh, yeah, the bulge. You, you'll kind of see stuff like that. But the most famous one was from World War One. But I was kind of thinking about that this week, just specifically because you know I had a funeral today for one of my my, my dad's one of my dad's brothers, and, also known as one of your uncles. Yeah, one of my uncles. <laughs> and, but like. <laughs> You start hearing a lot about people that one of my mom's brother-in-laws, right? <laughs> you start hearing about like the death and the hard times during Christmas time, and and it it and that's part of the reason why I love Christmas so much is because like up until that point of Jesus' birth, there was no hope hmm. for for life after death. I mean, when you died, you, it's just like death. But like at the that moment, was the most that should be your quote. Right. When you die, there's just <laughs> there's just death. death. That's it. That's it. Nailed it. And there's like no hope for anything better after that. And that's been the struggle throughout human history for, for a long time is, is, is death and and what, what happens afterwards. And, you know, it's a hard time for a lot of people to have, have struggle with that during this time of year. And it's like at that moment of Jesus's birth, it gave us something more than just death at that point is a hope yeah no I, life let me, afterwards let me let me jump onto that that thought real quick because you know christmas it's it's designed it's intention whether you want to just take it from the secular or or the religious is to be a joyous time like that's why we call merry christmas it's the merriment joy um happiness is is kind of a, an integral part of what makes Christmas, what you know, what it should be, and yet, and yet, um, depression rates go through the roof. Alcoholism kicks in. Uh, Christmas for a lot of people um, is a lonely time, is a miserable time. Um, they they deal with loss. You know, you know, you you like we're my family. We're kind of in the sweet spot. We kids and family and everybody fills the house. But like, I can see the day where, you know, you wake up, it's Christmas morning and, and you sit there and, and you're just, there's the echoes of what it used to be. You can, you can, you're kind of sitting there nostalgically remembering when your kids would run down to wake you up in the morning. And now, and now you're old, you're older and you're alone. And, and it's, it doesn't, now there's like, there's, there's a somberness. There's not a lot of merriment. Um, you know, and I think that that's something that, that isn't, spoken about or acknowledged um i think that that's why like when we talk about getting back to the reason for the season i think if you're struggling with some of that if you're struggling with a little bit of the depression related to it some of the loneliness 
some of the regrets, um, things haven't played out the way that you want. Um, it's it's will take a moment because if you if you can get back to the reason for the season, like you were saying, um, we, we we there is a there is merriment because right. because of the birth of Jesus. Right, and I think if you go back to and, and it goes back to what you were preached you've gone through a couple of studies in the last few Sundays of Emmanuel. Who was Emmanuel? Right. God, God with us. us. Yeah. Who, who was he? And Joseph knew exactly who he was when he said, and you should name him Emmanuel. The, the Jews knew what Absolutely. that meant. It wasn't just a name. They, oh, God's going to be with us. No, this was a dude that, that slew with 100,000 Assyrians. Like 185,000. Right. Yeah. He was there to, to, be, to be a Messiah to bring an end to, to something. He was a and, warrior. He was right. a warrior. And, and so at the moment of Jesus' death... And and from their perspective, it was like, okay, the king is here, and mm-hmm. and he's going to reign forevermore at that point, and and it, that was true to a point. From like looking back now, who we know who Jesus was, but they were looking for something physical, and not that end in a conqueror of death, and and a, right that that's what what makes me love Christmas so much is, I'm celebrating the moment that this Emmanuel, this warrior. Be- decided to come as an actual human and in a stupid little baby. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like a stupid human. Like he, he be- took on flesh, become a little lower than the angels and, and give us hope for something more than just, well, you know? Yeah. Isaac, jump you know, in. I was just going to say, I think that's just the nature of man is that we're, we're always looking for something immediate, immediate satisfaction, which is what they wanted out of Jesus was that immediate right death of all their enemies but they didn't realize that what they were getting after their own temporary death was you know eternal life right and how great is it to look back on that moment and be like this is when it started yeah you know we look we look for um two advents uh, one that one that has happened and one that will happen um that the old testament describes two advents of the messiah um, one where the prophets describe uh, a suffering servant and the, the other where he's a triumphal, triumphant king. Um, you know, the, the, the provocative thought is that which of the two... So, so the second advent, the second coming of Jesus is when Jesus actually physically establishes a kingdom on earth. And to do that, he destroys the Antichrist, the armies of, of rebellion, armies of the world. He institutes, brings about restoration to the earth. And that doesn't last forever, does it? It's a thousand-year reign. Yeah. But that's you know prophetically a literal thing that we look we look for that the second coming of Jesus to the earth, the second advent. But here's the a thousand deal: thousand years of awesomeness for sure. But for but, sure. but but think about it though, like, like that's the easy one. Like of the two advents, the second one, like from a from an objective standpoint, you would say, oh well, yeah, like just Jesus taking on the armies of the world, like that's daunting, um, and yet no, like in fact, like he rides he rides on a horse, he speaks a word, and kills everyone, like it's not the second advent is super easy for Jesus, it's not a very complex or complicated deal, the first advent, we requ- required. Um, total humility, uh, laying aside divinity, 
to be a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then, and then ultimately to gain the victory, he had to die. Like, that's the thing that, you know, you look at, you look at the gifts from the wise men, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, now, gold for a king frankincense was was the, the main spice used in the priestly service the priestly duties the sacrifices but myrrh was was basically an embalming fluid like what an odd gift to give a baby you know an embalming like you, you know baby's first birthday you 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 bring in we already bought him a twenty five thousand dollar casket he's good just for in it. case just okay. in case like like we know he'll use it at some point the gift that keeps on giving um <laughs> So, but those wise men really felt stupid after Jesus rose out of the grave, though. No, they felt they felt uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Vindicated. Uh, I'm gonna say they felt dead. <laughs> hey, you never know. They probably saw it from the uh, when Jesus went and preached liberty to the captives. They were probably like, "All right, we saw this one coming." Yes, uh, <laughs> you're right. That's what I'm like. Why'd you give me that stuff? I didn't yeah. even need it. <laughs> I feel kind of weird. Right. <laughs> or they were like, hey, you smell like myrrh. <laughs> Glad you got some life out of right. that. So um, when Jesus was born, did, you know, Jesus at the right hand of God. Did Jesus know he was Jesus? Well, yeah. Did he instantly inhabit the body of Jesus? I feel like that's just one of those questions that you're not going to know until you get to heaven. Well, to, to ask Jesus, I mean. Well, to answer to, to answer that, um, yes. At incarnation, the second member of the Holy Trinity laid aside human, laid aside, humbled himself, came as a man. So baby Jesus is God. Yeah, like, I think I understand what he's saying. Is he's asking like, if correct me if I'm wrong, at the moment was Jesus able to like basically start talking and and having all I, the yeah power? I mean I like, heard you, that when he was baptized that was when you know the spirit that this is just a theory that I've heard that that's when the spirit of Jesus, you know who Jesus was in heaven entered the body oh you're Jesus. talking about like at the age of 30 when he starts his ministry interesting um, or at some point i'm just wondering you know a i guess part of the question is is jesus omnipresent or is that the spirit of god that's omnipresent well it's it's the spirit of god like again jesus jesus laid aside divine attributes to humble himself and become as a man was jesus omnipresent absolutely not but god is but jesus wasn't jesus laid aside his omnipresence Okay. Like even today, Jesus is not everywhere. Jesus is not in your heart. The Holy Spirit is. Um, Jesus we're, is, at the, is at the right. He's hand at the God. right hand of the Father, and he's preparing a place for us. Jesus is is, he sacrificed an a, an attribute of his divinity in order to take on flesh. It was a willful decision, but that carried with it a very practical consequence. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, was Jesus okay? I'll, I'll give you an example. I think this will get to your sure to the essence of your question, because there's a lot of this we don't we don't fully know. Mm -hmm. I would take, um, I I would I would have a problem with someone saying that he didn't become Jesus Jesus until his earthly ministry started, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, when John baptized him, and the Father said, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." 
Uh, first, the father was affirming his pleasure already. Um, it's not in whom I will be well pleased. Yeah, he's already pleased. Um, and then, and then subsequently, um, we're told so, like when so Mary and Joseph they go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Jesus is born. They live in Bethlehem for a period of time, um, from a year to eighteen months, uh, enough time that over the course of that. The wise men then come from the east um, to worship the child. They find not the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. They find the young child with his mother. And they come to a house, not a stable. So that's where we can we can extrapolate a year to 18 months. Herod says, hey, let me know where the kid is. I'd like to go worship him too. They're warned in a dream not to do that. Joseph gets warmed in a dream to leave Naz, uh, to leave Bethlehem. He goes to Egypt. Herod has all of the babies two years and under killed in Bethlehem. Why? Because that gives you the time frame. Um, he's, you know, he's not worried about Jesus being over the age of two, but he doesn't know how old Jesus is, but he's threatened. You've got a delegation coming from the East looking for who's born King of the Jews. Um, so, so they go from Bethlehem back down uh, to Egypt. The angel tells Joseph, I'll let you know when it's safe to come back. Herod the Great dies. The angel comes, says, hey, you can return. He's intending to probably go back to Judea, um, to go back either to Bethlehem or even to Jerusalem. Um, and yet the angel tells um, Joseph to go back to Nazareth, that he might be a Galilean. Um so you, you get through this whole process. Now, Luke, so we read uh, verse 39 of chapter 2 of the Gospel of Luke. So when they had performed all things according to the, the law of the Lord, <clears throat> they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And verse 40, the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And so what, what the description that you're given is that um, here you have the child growing, developing, increasing in wisdom, strong in spirit, grace of God's upon him. Um, that There was this weird thing that was taking place where as, as Jesus was developing physically, that the shell, the tent that he's tabernacling in is developing its, its actual biological faculties that it's becoming more aware of the true identity. The child grew to the point that then like the next section of Luke. So his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. He's 12 years old. This is the only story we have of Jesus's adolescence. Um, they could not find him. They returned to Jerusalem. So it was after three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. All who heard were astonished at Jesus's understanding and his answers. This is a 12 year old Jesus. So when they, Mary and Joseph saw him, they were amazed. His mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. But Jesus said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So at the age of 12, we have this, like Jesus has grown, his knowledge has increased, even the religious scholars 
are blown away by his understanding the questions that he's asking. Like there's, there's an, like we have awareness because, you know, Mary's like, where have you been? And Jesus is like, well, you should have known where I would be. I'm about my father's business. Obviously this is not Joseph. He's in, he's referencing, you know, or he would be carp doing carpentry. Carpentering. If they go to Jerusalem and they find Jesus, you know, framing up a house, then he could be like, I'm doing about my father's business. Which he did later. Which he would do later. Yeah. He was known as the carpenter from Nazareth. But in this moment, the insight given to us by Luke is that at the age of 12, we know definitively that Jesus has an awareness of his identity, that he's not Joseph's son, but his father's in heaven. He understands something that he's different. Mm-hmm. How much did he know? Well, we don't know because so then they go back to Nazareth. Jesus was subject to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And then verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So again, then we see from 12 moving forward, Jesus is still growing and he's still developing. Um, and then the next, the next scene is he's 30. Um, so again, only going off of what the scriptures tell us, um, Jesus was Jesus when he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. He was as God then as he was God when he rose from the dead. Um, now as a baby, you know, again, he has humbled himself to the limitations of the physical universe and specifically the physical universe related to humanity which is why he had to grow like the, the idea of God growing in wisdom and stature knowledge. It's kind of weird. It is very weird, but you can understand it when you realize, okay, he is fully God and fully man from, from the manger, but the full, the full fullness of Godhead was not fully realized or understood or reached its capacity. Like it's in a cage now. <laughs> I feel like at some that makes point sense. it does. But I'm thinking like, and I'm sorry to cut you off there. No, and then Creighton, jump in, yeah. You know, we're born sinful, right? Well, what does that mean? So obviously Jesus wasn't born sinful. Does that inherited from your father? Yes. So the you know sin sin is given to us through Adam. You know, if you go back to the garden, Eve ate the fruit, but sin entered the world when Adam then ate. Um, Adam could have been like, yo, Eve, that was the wrong decision. And you're on your own. And then in all likelihood, Eve just gets whacked and the whole thing kind of starts over. But like, but Adam actually loved Eve so much. He's, he laid down his own life for his wife. Just which, take another rib, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got an extra one. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's a, um, you know, we're given, you, you'll actually hear Um, and I've never found substantiated evidence to validate this point. I've heard John Corson teach on this numerous times. I've heard him made this statement numerous times and I've not found any evidence for it. Um, to be fair, I haven't done a a super deep dive. Um, but from what I've heard stated is that genetically, so we're told that the, the life of, of a human is where? The life is in the blood. Like you don't, you don't live without your blood. Life is in the blood. The Bible even affirms that life is in the blood. 
And I've heard it stated that one's blood is is determined by um, the male's contribution to the genetic code and not the female. And thus, if the life's in the blood, Jesus would not have gotten blood from Mary, but that he would have gotten it from this thing that happened, that he would have gotten it from God. And thus, Jesus didn't have the sin nature um, because of the blood. He, he didn't, he, again, there was no seed of man. Th- that, that genetic code was, was separated. So again, you're again. thinking genetically, I'm thinking like, in order for him, him to be sinless, in my mind, I mean, and I could definitely be wrong, you know, that spirit of God was with him. He was right from the beginning to prevent him, not necessarily having to do with anything about blood or descent. Yeah. 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 I, no. but I could be wrong. No, for I'm sure. Just... No. I, and I think that's the, probably the more simplistic answer is that, um, how was, how was Jesus sinless? Well, he was God. <laughs> he, he was filled with the spirit from the very beginning. Like mm-hmm. he had a different nature. And, and Paul writes about this in Romans where he describes Jesus as the second Adam. That, oh, there's only two men that have, that have, you know that that were not born of man. Adam was not born of man. He was born of God and he sinned. So sin entered through one man. The only other man to never be born of man was Jesus. And that grace and truth and salvation, a new nature can come through the second man that Jesus reintroduces that sinlessness uh, to to humanity. Jesus would have to be sinless because if he if he did have a sin nature, um, his death would be an atonement for himself and could not be an atonement for anyone else because he would be, he would be the wages of sin is death. He would be dying for his own sin. Right. Um, so sinlessness is an essential component to Jesus. How all that ties in. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, there are references to eternity. Um, so man is, is described as, as flesh, bone and blood. Um, I'm trying to think of the specific passage, but there there are passages where we're referred to in a heavenly context as having uh, flesh and bone, but blood is never mentioned. Um, Interesting. Yeah that 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 there was flesh and bone, but there's not but the blood's not blood's no longer part of the component. Would that be referring to the new bodies that we'll get? Yes, the new bodies apparently don't have blood. Because they don't need need blood. Anyway, they, they, I just kind of went down to this rabbit. Probably gonna be like sausage gravy or something, because that's really right. Heavy. That's sauce. yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, the um. Oh yeah, hot sauce would be great. Mm-hmm. So Crate, I want to get to your question here with the last five minutes that we've with got. the last five minutes. Um, I was actually going to say something um about what we were talking about before with Jesus, and whether or not he was, quote unquote, Jesus as a baby. Oh, so we basically answered, got into so, your question. No, 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 no. I want to talk about it now. I'm, that wasn't the... <laughs> but we have five minutes. I'm not going to bring up what I'm going to talk about. So one of the things I was going to say is I think we should at some point like get sponsored by Flatland because I want to bring that up again, which we've talked about before. It's a thought experiment about how 2D uh, beings would interact with a 3D being and would have just no understanding of how to how to understand because they are missing a dimension. We've talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I think that that plays in heavily. 
you don't even have when to read talking the book, about you can watch a movie. <laughs> there are movies, there are all kinds of YouTube videos. You should go watch it. It's fascinating. Um, I think that plays in heavily on how Jesus was as a baby. Because we're talking about a being that is so far outside of our understanding that what exactly he gave up and what that means is impossible for, for us to understand. I, I would, I would you know agree. what I mean? I would agree. I mean, it's only happened once. So Right. It's only happened once. Yeah. And we cannot physically understand it, which I think is super cool. And, and you can say that like the only way that it, that it happened is it necessitated also something that's never happened before. And that was the virgin conceiving, you right. know, that like, obviously Jesus is different. Um, and, and somehow in a grand scheme defies our ability to fully comprehend because even the origins defy a certain measure of comprehension because the virgin conceived. But that that in itself is not as mind blowing as the God incarnate. Oh, for sure. Oh, no, no. You, you know, no, how, absolutely. How does how does the human body even contain the smallest essence of God, much less Emmanuel? You you know what I'm saying? Like oh, and then well, and then you want to get you want to get even even stranger to it. Um, <laughs> Jesus on the cross, the experiences of Jesus on the cross, who again, fully God, fully man, sinless, where we told he took upon himself the sins of the world. And he says, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and the world goes dark because yeah, like, yeah. like, how does that happen? How does God forsake himself? Yes. Like the, just the essence of, of what that experience had to have been, um, the anguish of it, the, again, it just we're talking about a different context again. I, and I'm creating, you're right, the second dimension into a third, the third into a fourth, what have you. Or when Jesus says, you know, the the only time um, that we're ever told that Jesus was thirsty or hungry in the scriptures when he's on the cross, when he says, "I thirst," there is no mention of Jesus ever at any point talking about like I'm thirsty or. Hey, can you snag me a Red Bull on the way to uh, the boat we're going to take across? 40 days in the desert. Did he not say something about being hungry before Satan he offered never, him food? He, or was it just Satan being like, it hey, was he Satan saying, here, here. That's interesting. Um, Jesus says, when Jesus says, I thirst um, from the cross, that's the only time. Maybe he wasn't talking about water. He was talking about the blood of his enemies. Like he wanted, to, <laughs> he wanted to channel that hundred eighty thousand dude. Slaughter. That's what I'm saying. Like, like we look at Jesus and you know in these pictures and stuff, and he's just like this, this nice hippie looking guy that has a halo around him, and and Emmanuel was not that right. <laughs> and, and when you understand that aspect of things. And it just, it's mind blowing to think that that dude decided to become a little baby for me. Mm. Right. <laughs> it, it, like dying on the cross is awesome. And he defeated death at that moment. But like he, he gave up that. It wouldn't have been possible to do both. Right. To both kill all of his enemies and then go on the cross. Right. But that, right. like, hit, like the, yeah. Insightful. Like it wasn't yeah. just he didn't just come to defeat the hundred and eighty thousand Syrians, but like uh, Assyrians, but 
like he defeated death itself at that moment. And, and that's the whole purpose of him coming was like to defeat the human's greatest enemy, which is death. And that, that's why I love Christmas so much. And he didn't do it like quick. No, he spent 30 years as just a dude. Right. In the first century. Yeah. Can you imagine just a how dude. many times I spent, he hit I spent thumb, 38. You know? Yeah. I spent 38 and it sucks enough as it is. But just imagine being like all powerful, just having, you know, a few hundred years back, killing off 180,000 people single handedly. And now you're now having you're building to deal... cabinets for people with more money than you. Right. And you're having to deal mm. with like the Pharisees. I would not have been able to do it. My well, you goodness, know, here's, man. here's, and and here's kind of the interesting thought to that. Um, so Jesus, like, okay, there's a plan here. Uh, I got to die. I got to die for the, I got to come as a, as a human being. And then I got to die for the sins of the world. Um, I got to lay down my life. Um, maybe, maybe as, as a, uh, a child, um, he would have lacked the free will to have made that decision. Um, but what if what if he just allowed himself to die by the sword of Herod as a toddler? He get, died for the sins of the world. Like, like he, he had to be the sacrifice. And then you can say, well, at the age of 12, maybe, because now he knows, you know, I'm about my father's, but he knows what his father's business is. Like, why why not just die then? Just lay it down like that, that Jesus was like, okay, um, I have this mission. This is what's going to happen, but I'm going to delay that happening for 30 years. Why? So that when I speak back to these little ants, I could say like, I've been there. I've done that. I've done that. I understand it. I lost my father. Um, not from not from the theoretical, not from an ivory tower. Uh, I lived in a blue collar dumpster of a town. I worked with my hands. I was a carpenter. I took care of my my mom when Joseph died, and I took care of my siblings. Um, I worked to make a living. I know what it's like to live in an oppressive society that's kicking the man, you know, kick, kicking down. I know what it's like to be judged, to be gossiped about, to be slandered, um, to be misunderstood, to be betrayed, to weep, um, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst. I, I, I understand, like that's where we get into Hebrews, that we have a high priest who, who has been tempted every way. Like Jesus knew temptation. Um, and he did all of that as kind of like a secondary mission. Like he didn't need to do any of that to accomplish the main mission of dying for the sins of the world. Like that was like the secondary one of like, you know, I, I'm already here. <laughs> <laughs> might as well. I might, I might as well. So that, so that these little knuckleheads. I don't would know. know I care. I'm actually wondering now, now that we're thinking about it, I don't know that Jesus could have killed the 180,000 or whatever or done anything that his previous God form could have. He said he laid it aside. So maybe it was literally impossible for him to do anything like that. Well, I mean, with God, all things are possible. Okay. And he performed some radical miracles. And and there's, and well, there, yes, but so did his disciples, right? 
yeah, with through his, him at his. Well, and then, but I mean, hand, basically. okay, like there's, I forget what the passage is, but like, um, like Jesus could have could have called down, you know, the angels of heaven, you know, at the cross. It was the fact that he that he willingly didn't when he could have that increases what took place on the cross. Like, again, if he couldn't have freed himself, if he couldn't have liberated himself, Mm -hmm. it's not a miracle that he didn't. No, that's not true. I don't think so. Well, I just think if he knew what he was getting into, let's see, he's, he's in heaven and he says, okay, I can see the entire 33 year timeline of my life. And I know that this is how this ends. So, okay. I, I'm I'm tracking with you. the the one The one problem with that is is Jesus never submitted to the will of man. Ever, he was never subjected to the will of man. Um, he was freed from the will of man, but he humbled himself to the will of God. When they nailed him to a tree, he wasn't he wasn't submitting to Rome. He was submitting to God. Meaning that at any moment he could have, he could have said to heck with this. Like he had still that power, that authority, um, that presence. But again, from the original plan, like you're saying, I'm not like, but, but Jesus was not, um, at the mercy of others. He was not at the mercy of Herod. He was not at the mercy of Pontius Pilate. He was not at the mercy of the Roman centurions that were scourging him or nailing him to the cross. He was in purely submission to his father and and could have, if the father had said, we're good, could, could have reversed it in a moment. Like he still had that same power and authority, which is what's, what's all the more incredible, the fact that he still submitted to his father. When, when he could have done what he, he could have done anything. Well, I think that goes back to what, you know, you did a sermon uh, probably like two or three months ago about the Beatitudes, the meek shall inherit the earth. And a lot of times we think of the word meek as being like weak, weak and stuff like that. But it's like, it's like being a super strong dude that, that could, and having like a really small child coming up, beating up on them. And you know, it's that, strength under control, right. which is. Which is such a unique thing, and and everything that Jesus taught, like he experienced it or he yeah. did himself. So, any any online comments, Creighton? Uh, not since the ones I said. Other than Miss Ann says Merry Christmas. Oh, that's great. So everyone say Merry Christmas, Christmas Ann. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We're going woke. No, oh, Merry good Christmas. <laughs> oh, we have a um, message have a from Alexis. Oh, okay. Oh. She says. Um, uh, and this is about the Garden of the Gethsemane, if I'm not much mistaken. Uh, the soldiers falling when he said, I am. Yeah. Oh, I no, think he was very okay. powerful. Yeah, that's a fair yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Your wife just put you in your place. So <laughs> maybe we'll have her on the Honestly, show at the beginning it's of next year. second time in one, in one day. <laughs> it is not. There's been more than that today. <laughs> Frequent occurrence. And that's we have good. another one. Okay. She says, uh, I mean, Jesus' love for us is spoken of so much in the Bible. His death could have been chosen because it was the only way we could, or his death on the cross could have been chosen because it was the only way he could save us. Yeah. I get it. You can get into all kinds of like interesting thoughts of like, okay, he had to die for the sins of the world, right? Um, He had to die for the sins. Of, what, what are we doing over here? What are you guys doing? Y'all Nothing. are being a distraction at the end of the show. Just keep going. Um, 
like why, why, why pick the cross? You know, why the cross? Why did it have to be the cross? Uh, couldn't it have been a, 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 a less brutal way? There are all kinds of those type of questions that you can discuss and theorize about. And, um, but anyway, so uh, final, final Christmas thoughts. We're going to start with you, Spice Daddy. Uh, we're about to jump out of here. Uh, final, final partings for the year. Merry Christmas. Uh, go with joy. That's what this whole thing's about. And, uh, that's, that's why I love Christmas is not because of the commercialization of it or or the misconstruing of different traditions and stuff like that, but the fact that Jesus conquered things by becoming uh, intentionally weaker than he was yeah. at the moment and laying aside that and brought hope to the world. You could you and you could even say like he demonstrated a greater strength than that, right? Than than killing one hundred eighty five thousand Assyrians. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. That was easy like, for Jesus. This was this like, really showed. So strength. next time you start talking about baby Jesus and stuff like that, don't look at it as like a little cute little baby. Look at him as like a Hulk Hogan kind of little baby rip baby that's you know, <laughs> not, baby some, not some seven pound eight ounce baby jesus you know, talks about pure muscle yeah. it's, it's like i it's, like my baby jesus like a whole kogan baby right, jesus that's what i'm talking about whole kogan he's even got the bandana and everything bandana that's what i'm saying jesus like he was like could jesus have beat me up when he was a baby uh, absolutely he killed 180 because he's a whole kogan baby mm-hmm. and it, that got weird Real Isaac, fast. Isaac, final thoughts That's exactly for the way I like it. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm just grateful to be here with you guys and uh, grateful that I have an awesome family and my kids. And I hope that uh, all of you listening also have somebody that you love that you're able to spend Christmas yes. with. Merry Christmas. Amen to that. I, uh, there's, there's a lady in our church that doesn't have a whole lot of family. And um, I was talking to somebody else. I said, hey, your grandkids coming into town? You know who's coming over for Christmas, and they were like, "Well, we 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 do have like one local um, daughter coming over, but we invited such and such to come over Christmas morning and celebrate Christmas with us." And I was like, "That's that's what Christianity's about." Like, well, that and like if they don't have a spot, since Creighton's not coming over to my house for Christmas anymore because he rejected my mom's offer. That's true. Let's, that's a good thing I to remind. My mom's offer. Yeah, but his mom asked first. No, she didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Creighton, Creighton, final final thoughts here at the end of the year. Yeah, uh, Christmas kind of sucks, but don't forget that your family loves you. You love your family, and this might be your last Christmas with some of them. Sure, so, you never know. For sure. Know. Well, my final final thoughts. Hey, I know um, Christmas is not always a merry time for a lot of people. And if that's, if that's you, um, take heart and take heart by getting back to the real reason for the season and that it's really not about what you give to anybody else or what you give to God, but it's really all about what God has given to you and the person of Jesus and his grace, the fact that he loves you in spite of you and not because of you. Um, even when things can be hard, we can revert back to, man, the reason for the season is this wonderful gift that God gave and he keeps giving and uh, take heart uh, enjoy the new year and uh, may God be with you and we will see you guys on January 1st
listening. God bless.